0: Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast, and today we're going to be talking about the sermon gate or Ed Litton as the SBC president and all the sermons that he's been stealing from J.D. Greer. So we're going to talk about it, and I want to help you think through this. And not only, here, I'll just tell you the end from the beginning. We're going to end with Ed Litton should resign from pastoral ministry. Not just Ed Litton should resign as SBC president, but he should not be in pastoral ministry. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we need wisdom and direction. I pray, God, that you would keep us, that you would preserve us, as men of integrity, men who are above reproach. For everybody that's listening, God, I pray that they would be 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1 men who know what it means to be men above reproach, who aren't stealing sermons, who don't have all the skeletons in the closet, but are men of ethics, men of principle, men of honor. And Lord, I ask that you would help us to be that and sustain that over the years. Sustain us, Lord. We don't want to do what Ed Linton's doing, but we don't want to fail. We don't want to burn out. So give us wisdom and help us to be joyful. Help us to be good pastors. Help us to shepherd like Jesus and to have households that are thriving and churches that are thriving. Lord, lead this discussion. I trust that you will. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, in case you've not heard or like you're buried in a hole somewhere and somehow you have access to podcasts but don't have access to the news, Ed Linton has been stealing sermons from J.D. Greer. Now, let me give you a story that's similar to this. It's not the story of Ed and J.D., but it's a story that happened several years ago with a friend of mine who called me and told me that he thought his pastor was stealing other people's sermons. Now, this pastor was not a good man. He was a terrible man. But my friend, who happened to be the youth pastor at the time, had started Googling certain phrases from the sermons that his pastor was preaching and found out that he had been preaching Charles Stanley sermons. And so he was talking to me and saying, Jared, what do I need to do about this? Well, I was horrified, and so was he, because this is the first example that I had ever run into of somebody preaching somebody else's sermons and acting as if they're coming from their own study. And so I told him, well, obviously you have to go talk to him. You have to address this, and you have to go talk to the leaders of the church, because this is disqualifying. I mean, this is horrific. A pastor is stealing another pastor's sermons and not giving him credit for it and not doing the work leading up to Sunday morning, the Lord's Day, to actually do the work of prayer and ministry of the word, to be prepared to stand up and say, thus saith the Lord on a Sunday morning. So you got to talk to him. Well, he went and addressed this guy. And this guy kind of made like a pseudo-apology or whatever. And then, and continued preaching and continued pastoring. Well, my friend caught him doing it again. Anyways, this all ended up leading to this man resigning from the SBC presidency. Well, wait, wait, wait. No. Okay, because he wasn't the SBC president. He resigned from his local church because he was unfit for ministry. He was stealing. Now, there's another guy that I know that is now in jail because he was stealing the identity of people within his church. He was a pastor who was stealing the identity of people within his church using credit card numbers somehow or another. I don't know how he got access to the accounts of people in the membership. He was stealing money from the people within the church. Well, He got fired, and then he's now in jail because he was stealing. Okay, consider Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. You shall not steal. It's pretty cut and dry, right? Pretty clear? Well, it now has come out. It's not just alleged. It's not just, you know, this story of conspiracy theorists have pieced together some clips and shown... Ed Linton, you know, after all, nobody wanted Ed Linton to win who voted for Mike Stone. So after all, you know, there's a lot of conspiracy theorists in that group because they're all Christian nationalists and they just want Ed Linton out of there. But well, it's not that. And by the way, if this was Mike Stone, if Mike Stone would have won the SBC presidency and it would have come out the week after that he had been stealing other people's sermons, you better believe that the Ed Linton crowd, you better believe that the Al Moeller crowd would have been coming out with proverbial pitchforks asking for the head Of Mike Stone. Now, not literally, obviously. That's why I said proverbially. (laughs) But here is Ed stealing sermons from J.D. Greer. I mean, side by side shots. And he should be, Ed should be horrified. But not only should Ed be horrified, everybody should be horrified by this. And the fact that there is not an uprising from the Big Eva side or the SBC presidents, thankfully, thankfully, Dr. Jason Allen said something about it. He didn't name Ed Litton, but at least he made a tweet about it. The fact there's not been an uproar is deeply concerning. It should concern everybody in the convention. It should concern everybody that voted for Ed Litton. I mean, seriously, I mean, think about the first story that I told. Somebody stealing Charles Stanley sermons and preaching them. The second story I told, somebody stealing money from the congregants within their church, from members stealing money. Both of them were disqualified because they were not above reproach. So here's what Ed is doing. He is stealing somebody else's work. He is lying to his congregation. For goodness sake, he had, he he said in his statement that he has a team of 8 people helping him. I mean, honestly, okay guys, you're out there. Why do you need a team of 8 people helping you prepare a sermon? That's what you're paid to do. Prayer and ministry of the word. You have people who you should be delegating responsibility to with deacons so that the elders can do prayer and ministry of the word in the tradition of the apostles in Acts 6. Clearly, he is lying. Why, why in the world do you need help from eight people? Now, I, I have been a part over the years of several group exegetical groups that would come together in front of a text, and we would sit down together and study a text together and we would work through the text together. And this is how, when I was on a preaching team at another church, this is how we would do it. And to the credit of the the pastor and the group that I was a part of, uh, it was a larger church and these group exegetical meetings were great. And then there would be like this communicator meeting and there was a lot of work put into the preaching on Sunday morning. And I would preach live at one of our campuses and then the lead pastor would preach at the main campus. And then another pastor would preach at another campus. And we would do a lot of the study and the preparation together, but it was our own work. We were doing the work. And then if somebody else brought a good point, we would try to say, okay, yeah, and as we were studying this, Michael brought out, or as we were studying this, Robbie brought out, or as we were studying this, Nathan brought out, or whoever was there, and you'd give credit. Or if you're reading it from a commentary, you quote the commentary. If you have an illustration that you got from somebody else, it's common courtesy to share, well, this is where I, I got this or, or whatever it may be. And then the occasional time you're going to tell a story that's been told by so many people that nobody knows the original source. And obviously, there's a lot of people using a lot of resources to come together. But the point is, it's the pastor who is studying over that, who's literally in the mornings or in the afternoons or in the evenings, has his Bible open with a pin out, And with a pen and a notebook, writing down notes, and then opening up and looking and doing the exegetical work, and then looking and doing the commentary work, and praying over these notes, and doing the work. For goodness sake, pastors, you do this work, right? I mean, you should be. Don't outsource your study. Don't outsource your prayer. Are you kidding me? And so for, for me, how it looks is, is every single week, I'm opening up and I'm preparing. It's, it's a repeat thing, man. The life of pastoral ministry is just a repeat thing. You do the same things almost every single week. You're going to meet with some different people. You're going to counsel some different people, but you're going to open your Bible. You're going to do a read-through. You're going to jot down your notes. You're going to read through it again, jot down your notes again. Then you're going to open it up. You're going to put question marks, which is what I do. I put question marks by anything that I need to look up, any words that I need to look up. I open up my Logos Bible software, I study that. I get into my commentaries. I'm usually reading anywhere from three to five commentaries to six commentaries, something like that, as I'm working through any kind of question marks that I have about the text. And then I am building my own outline. I am writing it out myself with my fingers, typing it out, and then I've got my certain way that I do this on my Word document. And then when I print it out, I print it out. If I need to make any changes, I make any changes. But I am working through it every single week now for about 14 years. Give or take a few months of not preaching here and there for breaks and ministry stops and that kind of thing. Pastor, this is the work of your... This is what you're called to. Like you're called to do prayer and ministry of the Word. You are not called to steal somebody else's work and then present it out there. So pastors... Pastors, you, knew, you know the work that you're doing to preach. And this is what Ed Litton is outsourcing. It's a, it's a disaster. It's ridiculous. He is outsourcing prayer and ministry of the word. Now, here's the point. There are a lot of people calling for Ed Litton to resign from the SBC presidency. But friends, that is not enough at all. Not only should he resign from the SBC presidency, he should resign from pastoral ministry altogether. I mentioned that at the beginning, and I'll mention that here at the end. Here's why. Friends, there is grace for Ed Litton. God's grace is upon it, we are not justified because we are saved, because of the blood of Christ, and then because of pastoral integrity. However, we are required to have pastoral integrity if we're going to stay in the office. And there are consequences for sin. And what Ed Linton did was not just an accident. It wasn't just a mistake. It wasn't something that just, oh, well, it just, you know, our team of eight, and somehow or another I ended up preaching J.D. Greer sermons. No. It was intentional. It required forethought, and he intentionally deceived his congregation and the SBC convention. Here's what 1 Timothy 3 says. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. One question. Is preaching somebody else's sermons and taking credit for them, so you're not doing the work yourself, before you come in and step into that pulpit and open your Bible, is that a man who is living above reproach or not? And the burden of proof is going to be on you. If you think he is above reproach, that he should stay in pastoral ministry, that he should stay as SBC president, then you explain to me and to everybody else, how is it that you can be a man who is stealing and lying and be a man that's above reproach? That's what we're dealing with in the SBC, folks. Pray for Ed Litton. Pray for his repentance, that he would not just give some weird, sad statement or that he would not say something ridiculous like James Merritt to mention him again for the second time in the last three weeks. Who called anybody who has questions about Ed Litton ants at the picnic table? That's what this is equated to. Questioning what he has done and saying that lying and stealing is wrong and it's not fit for a pastor and calling me and others who would question what Ed Linton has done ants at the picnic table. It's not a matter of ants at the picnic table. It's a ma- it's a matter of a man who is not qualified in pastoral ministry at a local church, at a church small or large, who is the president of the SBC convention. Pray for the convention, pray for Ed Linton, pray for his church, and pray that, my goodness, integrity would be in pulpits across this country, that churches would be led, led by men who are actually qualified men. Hope you have a great rest of your week and hope you have a great weekend.